This is Radar for On The Radar podcast coming at you with the 2021 MLB preview. And as always, we're going to do the American League in the first hour and the National League in the second hour. So I'm going to, at the end of this podcast, tell you who I think will win in the play, how the playoffs will shake out, some of the awards, things like that. And for the National League stuff, that will be into the other podcast and the order that I go in for each single baseball team, the 15 that are in the American League, is how I'm going to go. So whoever I go first in each of these divisions, that's who I think will in the division. And then I'll wrap up if the guys in second or third place are going to make the playoffs. So let me start off with this. The White Sox, the Chicago White Sox, are my favorite baseball team. Last year, they had a division lead in the month of September and only made the playoffs because the extra wild card spots for the expanded playoffs. But they blew the first place lead. And I felt a lot of that had to do with roster management and pitching management from the previous manager, Ricky Renteria. He is no longer here. The Sox have brought Tony La Russa out of his management retirement. He's been working in the front office for teams like the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, or the Angels and whatnot over the years. And they decided to bring him back. He's buddies with Jerry Reinsdorf, but they let go longtime pitching coach Don Cooper. And one of the things they did was, it's not that he no longer is a good pitching coach, it's certain after a while philosophies and instruction people to listen. So they wanted to hire the young hotshot pitching coach, Ethan Katz, who has a relationship with one of the Sox pitchers. They also said goodbye to the third base coach, Nick Capra, gave Joe McEwen the job and hired Miguel Cairo, a former Cardinals player, to be Tony Russo's bench coach. And he meet, Miguel Cairo's been working for other teams, so it's not like he's never been a coach. And they got, they got some other guys in there as well, like Shelly Duncan and Jerry Naren. So they're getting some... Guys who've either played Major League Baseball or been uh, coaches. One of the other additions was they added former Major Leaguer of the White Sox, Donnie Veal, as well. So they revamped the, the, the coaching staff. And one thing that about the White Sox, when they're good and they make the playoffs so they're competitive, is they have a good pitching staff as a whole. And Giolito is back. So is Dallas Keiko. Now, that playoff postseason performance was horrible. If he pitches the way he did last year, we should have got Cy Young consideration. It's your number two, and they traded Lee, they traded for Lance Lynn to be the number three starter, who is, again, former Cardinal, worked with Tolly Russa. He's been pretty good since Tommy John surgery, eats innings, that sort of thing. If he's your number three, which the White Sox were surely lacking last year, and Dylan Cease is your fourth, that's good. Fifth starter, they brought back Carlos Rodon, and they said it's between him and Ronald Lopez because Garrett Crochet, who had a minor injury scare over the offseason, and... Michael Kopech is coming back. They're going to be multiple inning firemen type of relievers back in when, you know, closers and relievers to pitch multiple innings. They're going to be in the bullpen. And I, I and that's the one thing that I may fault the White Sox, that they don't really have a great fifth starter if Rodon gets hurt or anybody else does. Homer Bailey is one specific guy at, out there. So is Andrew Kashner. So was Cole Hamels, who won a World Series. So was Nate Carn. So was Mike Leak. So was Ivan Nova, who got cut in camp. Brad Peacock, Rick Porcello, Danny Salazar, Jeff Samarja, Jace, uh, you know, and Jason Vargas. And the biggest one that I thought they could pick up would have been Anibal Sanchez, who every team he's on, he's valuable as the fourth or fifth starter and helping the team get to the playoffs. That will be the concern because it's not like anybody the Sox have on their Floyd-Man roster. I'm going to go, oh, my God, I need to start them. They really, they really don't have anybody, and they didn't sign anybody to, like, you know, non-roster, minor league invitations and stuff. They did not really do that in terms of starting pitcher. But overall, I don't think anybody in the American League has as good as one through four as the Chicago White Sox do. And their bullpen 
they decided, you know, column A was a heart attack closer. You put runners on and give, you know, maybe let runners score and it wasn't perfect. So they went inside Liam Hendricks, who has been the ace closer the past three seasons, you know, and he's been on fire and he's the best, one of the best relievers out there. So they want, they got him to close the ninth and Aaron Bummer's coming back from injury. He can go back to being the eighth inning guy. And with Crochet and Michael Kopech throwing heat out of the bullpen, that's great. They bring back youngsters, Matt Foster and Cody Hoyer, who pitched pretty well in their debuts last year. Jace Fry, who hasn't been healthy. He can fully be healthy going into this season. And Evan Marshall's been a good pickup for them. Yeah, they no longer have Jimmy Cordero, who got Tommy John's jersey. But pretty much the only, you know, thumbs down the bullpen is they continue to keep this Jose Ruiz guy. He's not the best reliever. But overall, their bullpen should not be the issue this year if everybody is healthy. Catching-wise, they did lose James McCann who had, you know, handled the pitching staff better, came up with more clutch hits. But Ismonte Grandal has a track record of being a 20-plus home run guy, 70 RBI guy, and being a really good catcher. Problem has been health. So the Sox had didn't sign, they did sign Jonathan Lucroy to a minor league deal, but that didn't obviously turn out because he did not make the team. And they're opening up the season with left-handed hitter Zach Collins. And you're on Mercedes, this slugging out a catcher who's played the outfield and first base to get his bat in the lineup. They're going to open the season with three catchers, which is what you should be doing with a 26-man roster. That is what should be, okay? Because you need some flexibility, too. And the infield, we got Jose Abreu coming off MVP season. If there was an All-Star game last year, him and Tim Anderson would have definitely made the All-Star team. Anderson almost won another batting title. They still have themselves Nick Madrigal, who didn't play a lot last year in the shortened season with injuries, but he's fully back. And he's a good contact hitter. And Yoel Makata battled COVID-19 and battled some injuries last year. And Ricky Renteria didn't give him like a day off in the last two months of the season. I feel like if Tony LaRusa knows Makata is struggling with some injuries, he's going to give him some time off. But he's if he gets a full season, he's healthy in the middle of this lineup with Jose Abreu and Ismani Grandal, that's going to be good. One thing I don't understand is the White Sox have decided that besides from going for three catchers, their bullpen's going to have eight guys because you got Bummer. And you got Crochet, you got Foster, you got Chase Fry, you got Liam Hendricks, you got Cody Hoyer, that's the sixth guy, Kopech in seven, Marshall eight, and you know, Marshall seven and eight with like Jose Ruiz. So they got themselves eight relief pitchers because they're just loading them themselves up on having that many relievers on their team that that's where I'm I'm getting, gonna say that's a little bit too many relievers because I don't know if Tim Anderson has to sit two or three games or so to do with Magical that Leora Garcia, who's been more career innings as a good outfielder for the White Sox, he's been very good as an outfielder ever since he first started out there, that he is the best guy to be the backup to Anderson and, you know, Magical. They did sign Jake Lamb, which was a very good idea because the Sox have a lot of righties and he's another lefty like Zach Collins and the switch hitting is Monty Grandal and Adam Eden, who they brought in the outfield that they need to balance that lineups out because they do have a few switch hitters in Gradal and Makata. But it's going to come back to haunt them because I feel like Danny Menick deserved to be the backup infield on this team and signing Jake Lamb is what you do because the Sox outfield was set. The Sox had themselves runner-up and rookie of the year, Luis Robert, who should have probably won rookie of the year because it was a toss-up actually between him and Kyle Lewis statistically but he won a gold glove, and Eloy Mendelson won a silver slugger last year, and that was in a shortened season. He also got a little bit gypped years ago in the Rookie of the Year voting because he, in his sleep, full season healthy, 
is a 35 to 40 home run guy and a 75 to 85 RBI guy. And the Sox are thinking about, is he going to bat cleanup behind Abreu? Is he going to bat fifth behind Abreu if you know Abreu bats fourth? But he decided to, after his misadventures, running into a wall, falling into the stands, almost running into the outfielders that he plays with, to hang on a wall in, in spring training and injured his shoulder, and he's going to be out for pretty much the whole season. Best case scenario for the White Sox is he comes back, plays some minor league baseball in July and August if he's back, and then in September gets as many at-bats at the major league level during September's final month, and he's back because he probably would have been an all-star and a silver slugger this year if not for that. But the good thing for the White Sox is Adam Engel, who is a gold glove caliber outfielder, who's, who is the fourth outfielder, has improved offensively the past couple of years. And when he comes back from his short disabled list stint, he's probably going to be the guy in left field. But for right now, the Sox are going to try rookie first baseman uh, Andrew Vaughn, who, who everybody's saying is going to be one of those rare hitters who hits 30-plus home runs and drives an 80 and still has a high batting average. They're going to be the first ones to try him in left field. Same thing with Mercedes. They both have played left field, and switch off would be in that DH spot as well. That's why they want Jake Lamb in there because he can DH. And as I said, Leora Garcia is also going to get some starts in the outfield, and they brought Adam Eden in. He's going to play right field. When he's the White Sox, he almost won a gold glove in both center field and right field when he's here, and he was a table setter. Now, a lot of spring training lineups had him batting, lead up, batting second or in the middle of the lineup or even at the bottom. But any combination of him and Anderson getting on base and table setting for the Sluggers, even minus Aloy, with Abreu, Moncada, Robert, and Gradal is going to be very good. And the Sox in the offseason also signed Yuan Cespedes' younger cousin to a minor league deal as a you know international free agent. He could maybe make a, make an impact this year, especially with the Loy out, because there are still some outfielders that the White Sox could sign, like Cespedes himself, unlike Puig, who's out there, and Milky Cabrera, and Carlos Gonzalez, and even the likes of Matt Kemp and Josh Reddick that are out there that, oh, okay, nobody signed him this current you know offseason. There's still going to be guys who, when the season starts and everybody makes their official roster, they'll be taken off the 40-man roster or didn't make the team in minor leagues. And those guys will be guys they can look at. But for now, if you start Vaughn in left field and you bat Collins or Mercedes at DH or Jake Lamb at DH, that's good for a month or so or a couple of weeks until Adam Engel's your everyday outfielder. But Adam Engel, like Adam Eden, they're speedy guys. They're not going to be that slugging guy in the middle of your lineup, which puts more pressure on Abreu, Grandal, and Makata and Robert to do well offensively. Now, the White Sox, in terms of other minor league signings, they went and got themselves. Tim Beckham doesn't play in a year through a suspension. Matt Reynolds, who's bounced around from team for teams, and Marco Hernandez, the former Red Sox infielder, who himself has never been the most healthiest person to begin with. So, if they need minor league depth, it's only going to be the fact that Jimmy, that they have some pitchers in the minor leagues that you've heard of, and they sent down you know, Danny Mendix to the minor leagues, and outfielders Blake Rutherford and Luis Gonzalez, are out down in the minor leagues. But that's, you know, the the issue with the White Sox. For the White Sox, though, it's their division to lose. It's not World Series or bust. It is more the fact that the that it's their it's their division to lose, but it's not World Series or bust that for them it's not collapse in the September and actually actually make the playoffs this year and see what's gonna happen as they can be with La Russa and the pieces, because the addition of Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, and Adam Eden are really important additions to this team, 
that they're going to that they're actually really going to rely on this year to have a shutdown closer, a solid number three starter, and an actual right fielder because last year they kind of had a hole in right field. So that will be their issue there. And Billy Hamilton is most likely making this team due to the injuries to Adam Engel and Aloy, but also Nick Williams is a possibility. But again, both those guys are not power hitters to replace Eloy, so that's going to be the issue there. Now the next team up is the Minnesota Twins, who won the division the past couple of years. And the Minnesota Twins have done it by slugging, with the likes of Rosario, Kepler, Nelson Cruz. They've had they just brought in Josh Donaldson. They had Polan- they have Polan- Corey Polanco, the youngster, Luis Arise, not a slugger, but he's a good offense player. Miguel Sano and the Mitch Garver hitting 20 home runs, even Byron Buxton hitting 20 home runs. Problem for the Twins this year is that a lot of negatives left their team, and not a lot of positives stayed with them. So Nelson Cruz resigned, and you're going to have to wonder, a guy who's had steroid suspensions in his career, how's he still doing this, and is he eventually you know, going to lose it? Because a lot of teams were like, should I sign this guy or not? Because is he going to all of a sudden not have it? Okay, They lost relievers Sergio Romo and Trevor May, so that's the back of their bullpen, and Tyler Clipper from last year. And from the rotation, they lost Homer Bailey, Jacob Odorizzi, and Rich Hill. That's a lot to lose, and the biggest thing is they just said we're going to non-tender Eddie Rosario because we like young players Alex Kirilov and Brent Rooker. But guess what? Neither of them made the team to start the season, and most likely Max Kepler, who's the right fielder, and Byron Buxton, they're going to have to carry the weight because Kyle Garlick is bounced around from team to team as a first baseman masquerading as an outfielder, and Jake Cave's a backup. So they're going to lose that 20-plus to 30 home runs in the middle of the lineup in Eddie Rosario, and... Garlic could probably hit 20 home runs, but he's going to strike out so much, and he's probably worse than Eddie Rosario fielding in the outfield, so their offense is different there. And then the other thing they said is, they said, sorry, Luis Araj, you're a nice, you know, contact hitter, and Byron Bucks is not the, is it strikes out too much to be a leadoff hitter? Maybe because you make a lot of contact, you could be the leadoff hitter. Nope. They go out and sign Gold Glove, like one of the best defensive players at Gold Glove shortstop, and Drelton Simmons, who left the Angels, to be their everyday shortstop because Jorge Polanco is a bad defensive player. And because Donaldson's missed time, they're like, I'm not sure we need some depth there. So Polanco's moving to second base. So Polanco is a guy, A, busted for PDs before, and he strikes out a lot, and he hits like 20-plus home runs in a season. He's going to play second base, so that's a new position for him. And Luis Arraz is going to be on the bench. And they've been trying to get him out in left field because there's a hole in left field, but he's the only guaranteed like backup infielder on this team when it comes to backup outfielders. If Jake Cave's your only backup outfielder and Rooker and Killer was sent down, I don't know if the, the, who the Twins are going with in terms of backups. If Donaldson does go down for a long period of time, will they move Polanco to third base? But yeah, so they're losing some, you know, offense for defense. It was a good thing to get a good defensive shortstop, but the team had a shortstop, even if he's not the world's best. And Mitch Garver's back as everyday catcher. He could still probably hit 20 home runs, and they have super utility guy Willens Ostadula, who's probably the other backup with our odds. But even with a 26-man roster, three catchers may be the norm, and Ryan Jeffers would be the actual backup catcher because Ostadula has played everywhere. But, you know, he's a super utility guy catcher. And when it comes to this rotation, Jose Barrios is great. Then picking up Kenta Maeda, he's pitched really, really well. But as I said, they lost all those guys in the free agency and what they did was, let's bring in Matt Schumacher, who never stays healthy. Let's make sure we still got Michael Pineda, who's been busted for PEDs and never stayed healthy. And let's bring in Jay Happ, who's about to be 
40 years old. He's he's 38 years old. He's pushing 40. He's also never been the most healthy. And the other pitchers they have, or you know, Randy Dobnik, is a, like is not special. Tyler Duffy is probably the is is the only reliever with Taylor Rogers from the back, bullpen they had. As they went and signed Alex Colomay, the Sox former closer, and they picked up Hansel Robles, the former Mets starting pitcher who became reliever of the Angel. So we got a converted starting pitcher to a reliever. Colomay, who we mentioned as a Sox closer, is a hurricane, you know, heart attack like disaster closer. Like he's not the best. Losing Trevor May, their best reliever, and losing Romo and Clipper also doesn't help. So the Twins again have to rely on the fact that even without Eddie Rosario and a goal and a shortstop, you know, defensive guy first and Simmons is their lineup. They got to rely on their power hitting offense to make the wild card this year, and they could easily win the division too if they maybe trade for another starting pitcher, another reliever. But that's the issue for them is that there really wasn't that much that in the way of them signing guys to minor league deal that they did sign themselves JT Riddle, and they did sign themselves you know Rob Refschneider, and they have and they had Andrew Romine at a, at a specific time, and. That's that's the thing. Like those guys, those are you know career utility players. They're backups. They're not the type of guys that I'm like, oh my god. But I feel like between the Ref Schneider and JT Riddle, that they would be guys that I would um that I would totally be like, you know what? Maybe they make the roster with the 26 players because they need super utility guys, but. Nothing really sparks interest in those utility players that I mentioned, Web Snyder, Riddle, Romine. All these guys do not spark the most, you know, interest. And with a 26 roster, I'm not sure if any of those guys they sign a minor league deals makes the team because as of now, they don't have two backup outfielders and they only have really one backup infielder. And the bullpen, as I said, Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy with Calame and Robles, that's not the world's greatest bullpen either. It's their, it's their division to lose as well and maybe even a wild card spot. Now the thing with the Cleveland Indians every single year, like as I did the 19 and the 20, they get rid of people. The biggest thing was Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco traded to the Mets. That's their best position player and their be- and one of their best pitchers. Carlos Santana has left them a second time. They said they said to themselves, let's let Brad Hand the closer go, let Adam Simber the setup man, longtime outfielder Tyler Naquin, they had the line to Shields last year. Last year, they traded Greg Allen and Mike Clevenger away, so another outfielder and a starting pitcher, and that's a lot of talent. Now, their rotation last year proven that with all the young guys they have, they could be pretty good. Beaver, the Cy Young winner, Dan, uh, you know, Dan Plezak's nephew, Zach Plezak, Youngster, Sivali, Tristan McKenzie, Terrence Gore. They got all these young pitchers that are going to help them this year. That's the only way they're going to make it. Cal Quantrill, that they, they're going to have a chance. The bullpen, though, they didn't really do anything. And there's nothing on the non-roster invitees that make me go, oh my god, I'm so excited for any of these guys except for converted outfielder Anthony Go. So their bullpen is, again, okay, a bunch of nobodies and maybe some extra starting pitchers. And only Nick Whitgren is the only guy who's been a major leaguer for a while. Now, the uh, so their, their young starting rotation that I mentioned, the Beaver, Plezak, Savali, Tristan McKenzie, Terrence Gore, like those guys. Those those guys are the ones that uh, that are going to be an issue. That are going to be the thing that keeps them. I, why did I mention Terrence Gore? That's the Royals reliever. I meant to say that they got all these guys here are young, 
that will definitely help them in the rotation because they 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 got they got they got a good young rotation, but their bullpen's a question now. Roberto Perez and Austin Hedges, they're fine defensive catchers, but they can't really hit a lick. The lineup is probably, as you're saying, who's going to replace Carlos Santana? Well, the guy to replace him is first Jake Bauer, the first baseman that the Rays traded them in that trade with Yandy Diaz. No outfield experiment for him. He's going to get the first reps at first base, and if he struggles, they can call up youngster Bobby Bradley. Now, they traded Mike Freeman, their super utility player, so the super utility player on the roster is probably going to be Yu Chang. Second base, they kept Cesar Hernandez just of stability because he's a solid everyday player. And Jose Ramirez, who won't, who was a runner-up in the MVP, he's going to still be there. And you're like, who's going to help in the lineup? Well, that's the good thing. They still got Framil Reyes from the Padres for the past couple of years. He can hit 20 home runs in his sleep. And they went and signed Eddie Rosario, who the Twins got rid of. So Rosario... Reyes and, and Ramirez are going to be at 3 through 5. That's not a bad 3 through 5, especially if you take the offensive capabilities of what the uh of, of what of Josh Naylor, another Padres player is a third baseman and converted to the outfield. It's not bad. It really isn't. And then you take the offensive production that you get from the two Mets shortstop, Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario. They're going to try a lot of times Ahmed Rosario in center field. Which, again, he's not really a center fielder. You should have done it earlier in spring training. And with him and Josh Naylor as your third baseman and your center fielder, I mean, your center fielder and your right fielder, you got a shortstop and a third baseman playing the outfield. Eddie Rosario is not the world's greatest defensive player. So you would think that Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Machado, natural born center fielders would make the roster, or Daniel Johnson or Hell Ramirez. Nope, they just said it's going to be Ben Gamble, who they signed to minor league deal, and Jordan Luplo, who they still have. So the whole 26 man roster thing is weird because. You would think that between Ben Gamble and Jordan Luplo, they're the backup outfielders. That's fine. You would think that maybe Harold Ramirez makes it or another infielder makes it because you're going to have Ahmed Rosario play center field because of how good defensively Jimenez is compared to him. It's just the thing where a lot of these teams, they didn't sign many guys to minor league deals that that really helps them out in the grand scheme of things because Ben Gamble was a minor league invitation player and he actually made the team. But for the most part, there really isn't guys that stick out like Larry Vaughn was on a minor league deal, but they're not going to actually use him. And that's really the, the issue is the Indians. The Indians pitching staff will hold them together that they could be a playoff team. Bullpen's not going to help and their offense got worse without Carrasco, not Carrasco, without Lindor and Santana. And, of course, the rotation losing Carrasco is not the best thing. Now, the interesting team in the American League Central that isn't an obvious playoff team is the Kansas City Royals. They've had these position players now. They have Alberto Mundesai Jr., who's turned himself into a good everyday shortstop. Nicky Lopez, who's turned himself into an okay everyday second baseman because he's a shortstop and can't play there. And Hunter Dozier has been a good offensive player. Now, last year... The Mikhail Franco idea was stupid because they put Hunter Dozier in right field and played Whit Merrifield in center because they had still had Alex Gordon, one of the best defensive left fielders in baseball history. He's officially retired. So that was like their outfield. So going into this offseason, it said, put Dozier back at third base, just play Whit Merrifield in left field or even right field, just in the corner spot. They go out and say, we're going to get Carlos Santana. We're going to take him from our division rivals like the Indians took Rosario from the Twins. By putting Carl Santana at first base, it takes Ryan O'Hearn and Ryan McBroom, two guys who are splitting time at first base and even some at DH, 
let's they got to figure out the DH spot. And now they they decided that Ryan O'Hearn's not making the team because he got options. That's fine. Hanser Alberto makes the team as a backup infielder, which is what they need. They need somebody that can play all over the place as well because their starting player, Whit Merrifield, does that. And Solaire can't DH if you had both Broom and o- McBroom and O'Hearn because one is the DH because Santana is playing first base. So it would look like that it was going to be Solaire and right, Magical, not Magical, meant Whit Merrifield in center field. And okay, that's not bad. But they go out and trade for Andrew Benintendi, who hasn't been healthy and not productive. And the Red Sox, no offense, whatever young player they get in that trade to go with what they actually got, I think the Royals won that trade because Benintendi is, you know, 26 years old. He is not done being a baseball player. But with him in left field and the three first basemen splitting time at DH, you got Witt in center field and Soler in right field, and it's not the world's greatest outfield. But I feel like if Andrew Benintendi's healthy, he can probably win Comeback Player of the Year. And they brought and brought Nationals, you know, reject Michael A. Taylor. And they brought back Gerard Dyson for another go-around. So they got some good defensive speedy outfielders in Dyson and Taylor because you're going to need that if Solaire Merrifield. But as I was saying, all these position players, no matter where they're playing on the field, the Dodgers, the Mundesites, the Lopez, the O'Hearns, and the Wits, and the Jorge Solaire and Benintendi, and veterans, you know, Carl Santana, and having Salvador Perez one comeback player of the year last year, like, him fully healthy, they got some of the best set of position players. It's the rotation that is going to be the issue because as good as Danny Duffy is, he doesn't stay healthy. Former starting pitcher Jesse Hahn hasn't been healthy. They made him reliever. Mike Miner, he had some good success with the Rangers after his first initial success that started with the Royal, but, you know, those two being your top rotation, not that great. Brad Keller... Eh, Jacob Junis, eh, not really being sold on the Royals. But for the Royals, it's more about that young starting pitchers they kind of used last year with, you know, Brady Singer and Kyle Bubeck and, I mean, Chris Bubeck and Kyle Zimmer. Like, those, the potential of any of those young starters for Bubeck, Zimmer, and Singer is good. And their bullpen, Greg Allen pitched pretty well last year that they re-signed him. That was a good idea. Then they brought in... Wade Davis, who hasn't been good in a while. The Rockies spent a lot of money on him, and I let him go. He pitched well enough in spring training that I knew they'd make him because what happened with Rosenthal was he pitched well enough for the Royals they flipped him for some young guy. So if Wade Davis and Greg Holland are healthy and they're pitching how they used to be, and you got starters Jesse Hahn in the bullpen, and they just got a bunch of other nobodies, they did sign Brad Brock to a minor league deal, but there was no guarantee that Brad Brock is going to make this team. But he is another veteran that can flip. You just you just squint your eyes and go, okay, Duffy Miner and the under and the young pitchers and Brad Keller and Greg Holland and Wade Davis and Red Brock, yeah, it's not a bad team. And they could surprise people and be a one of the two wild card spots as well. So, you know, the Twin Sox must have to worry more about the Royals than they do about the Indians who, you know, every year lose talent. And the Royals Mike Matheny, the former Major League Baseball player and manager, he's leading this team. I feel like, you know, if he could do it with the Cardinals who always had a lot of talent, I feel like he has a very good chance at maybe guiding this team and helping them out because last year the Royals were really bad and so were the Tigers. And the Tigers, they at least say to their fans last year, they went out last year and they signed some veterans like bringing back Cameron Mabin and some other guys in it. 
And it, some of them worked, some of them they flipped, some of them the players just didn't work out as well for them in the signings they made. But they said, okay, we're going to sign the likes of Robbie Grossman and Nomar Mazzara for the outfield. Now, Nomar Mazzara had a horrible year with the White Sox, one of the most healthiest, but when he's healthy, he can be a productive player and he doesn't have to be the lead guy. I don't get the Robbie Grossman thing because Robbie Grossman was a part-time player with Oakland. He, and if people question how good of a defensive outfielder he is, being a former center fielder, they say he's not good defensively in left field. So the two of them are flanking the outfield. The problem is, Jacoby Jones, who has the most healthy, is the center fielder. He's converted third baseman. So right there, it's not the greatest outfield. And what happens is when you play a lineup of Jones and Grossman and Mazzara to start, that means youngsters Victor Reyes, Daz Cameron, Derek Hill, Kristen Stewart, and this and the guy who made the camp out of spring training, Akil Badu, they're not going to get starts in the outfield. You're going to have to put them at like DH. Problem is, Miguel Cabrera is the DH. But if Miguel Cabrera is willing enough to play first base, then you can rotate the likes of Robbie Grossman and Badu and Mazzara around, and you could do it. But they've got so many young guys, they have to take ties off the roster to make room, that sort of thing. And then they said, well, in the infield, we got Candelario, Willie Castro, Hello Castro, Nico Gojum, and Isaac Paredes. So what they decided to do is, even though they signed Renato Nunez, a former Orioles player, who can hit 20 and 30 home runs in his sleep, and I thought he'd be the perfect first baseman replacement after Crohn's injury, he didn't make the team. They're saying Mickey's going to play some first base so we can rotate the outfielders, and we'll probably play some games with Candelario at first base so we can play one of the Castros at third base and Nico Goodrum at third base because Nico Goodrum is a pretty useful player on the bench, and Candelario, they're not really sure what position he sold. But hey, the Tigers... They brought back Jonathan Scope to play second base. They brought in veterans Robbie Grossman and Nomar Mazzara and Renato Nunez. And they started a veteran starting catcher who's a former All-Star on Wilson Ramos. So they actually have a real starting catcher. You're like, wow, that's cool. They brought in former Marlins pitcher Jose Arena. They brought in former Braves and Angels pitcher Julio Tehran. They even signed themselves some other guys to minor league deals as well that you probably heard of that... That a lot of people have not. They signed Derek Holland. They signed Erasmo Ramirez. They they signed Drew Hutchison to a minor league deal. I think they even brought back Ian Kroll to this team, who used to pitch for them years ago, and Willie Peralta, the former Brewers pitcher and Royals pitcher. So like they said to their fans, we're gonna sign as many of these veteran pitchers that we have because if because Turnbull starting the year on the disabled list, and. They decided that they're going to put both Fulmer in the bullpen with Norris because they have the most healthy. That's totally cool. That's the sort of thing where it's like they sign all those veteran guys who have been starters and guys in the position of Rosso Mears and Derek Holland is they've been swing guys. And looks with getting Tehran and Arena, they're going to be in the rotation. And, you know, probably Derek Holland's going to be in the bullpen as well. So they at least are saying to their fans that we're trying. That's the sort of thing that, like, some teams who are not trying, they don't sign any veterans to minor league deals. They don't sign any veterans to major league deals. They just st stick the way they are and not really spend any money. And that's where it's like, okay, fine, you're not trying. Well, at least you can say that that this team has signed all these guys to minor league deals. And at some point, they got this potential where if Jake Rogers comes up, he after this year, Wilson Ramos gone, and as I said, the youngsters like Casey Myers and Spencer Turnbull in the rotation is not bad, and Willie Castro has played really well, and as I said, the outfield of, you know, Cameron and Reyes is not bad. The Tigers have a little bit of more bright feature, and with former Astros and Dimex manager A.J. Hinch, after his year-long smash away from baseball as the manager, 
that's a good thing because he's going to start off from fresh, no expectation. And the Tigers going forward, they're building towards the future. I don't know what the Indians are doing outside of the young starting pitchers that they do have. What they're doing, the Twins do have a lot of veterans on their team. So they have an issue in the White Sox right now and all in for the Tigers and Royals are definitely going up. The Tigers, though, their talent on paper, what it is currently versus what the Royals and the Tiger and the Royals and the Indians are, they're the last place team. They're going to be bad because as good as Matthew Boyd is, in case he might as could be, Tehran really wasn't good last year. Rain hasn't been healthy. Nobody's going to know who Tariq Skubal is or, you know, you know, the Spencer Turnbull guy and the fact that Michael Fulmer, who was one of their best pitchers pitching on the bullpen, and you don't know anybody in the bullpen besides from starters Fulmer, Norris, and Derek Holland. It's not really going to be the Tigers' year this year, as they're going to still be the last place team. And then you get to the American League East, where that's where you got a bunch of good teams in there that actually are really good between the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox improved this year. They're not going to be a last place team. And then you got the Blue Jays, who surprisingly made the team last year as well. And so between those four teams, I don't think the Red Sox are a playoff team. But at least the Red Sox decided that they're going to try to be better this year. And the only team that's not really trying to be better is the Baltimore Orioles. And we know that because they have a, their GM and their manager, they are both fresh new guys. And they're just going to start over from scratch. Now, the thing about the Rays is they always had this starting pitching depth. And they had this and this relieving depth. Well, that depth got really challenged this offseason as they traded away Blake Snell. And they lost pitchers in free agency like Charlie Morton. And they lost um, Yanni Torino's to Tommy John surgery. So for them, Tyler Glasnow was the ace. Yes, he's the ace. But the problem is he, since he had that like great start to the season, hasn't been the most healthy. And Ryan Yarborough was a fifth starter. So their decision was this offseason, we're just going to get quantity instead of quality. So they bring out Chris Archer, who hasn't pitched in a year and has been good in multiple years. Rich Hill, who's in his basically like he's 40 years old, man. It's just like, why do you think he's going to be good? And he has the most experience as a reliever, Rich Hill, because at age 41, he was trying to get his back in his career. He pitched a reliever. Michael Walker, who hasn't been the most healthy, his former Cardinal Mets pitcher, didn't really pitch that well last year for the Mets. And they signed Colin McHugh, who opted out of the Red Sox season after being a former Astro starter turned reliever and himself has been most healthy. Those are the six guys they're going with. And you know the Rays do openers, so they could always play around with how they use Rich Hill and Colin McHugh. But that's the starting pitching depth that, you know, eh. So then you're like, let me turn to the bullpen. Well, closer Nick Anderson is going to have Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out, of, out for the season. Ah, that's not good. They also, when it comes to the relievers, they had themselves... The, you know, Diego Castillo and they had, you know, Jose Alvarado. Well, Jose Alvarado is not there anymore. He is not there. And that that's the problem is, so, you okay, so your closer is going to be out for the year, your best reliever. You don't have, you don't have him anymore in the bullpen, Jose Alvarado. They don't have themselves Aaron Loop. He's gone. And... The good thing is they re-signed Chaz Rowe, but outside of that, it's just like you lose some relievers here, specifically important pitchers like Jose Alvarado, and then with you know Nick Anderson being out for the year, your bullpen's a little more weakened. And yes, Peter Fairbanks, Cody Reed, Ryan Thompson, Andrew Kidderidge, 
Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Sheriff, who's a fellow Jew. Like, that's okay. And I give Kevin Cash credit to manipulate the, the bullpen and even the starting pitching. But it's really going to fall on the position players. And the Rays have lots of position players. They're a team that plays guys. They platoon guys. They got guys who play multiple positions. And the thing about the A's is that they have Randy Ozarena, who was a great star in the postseason last year, who's kind of eligible for Rookie of the Year. They got Austin Meadows, who because of the outfield depth, DHs a lot. Then you got yourself Manuel Margot, who's only playing right field because Kevin Kiermeyer is playing center field, and he's a multiple goal of winner. Now, their love of Padres players continued as last year they did have Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot. This year, when trading for Blake Snell, they wanted the catching prospect in Francisco Mejia, who, when the Indians had him, knew he wasn't the greatest fielder, but trained to nationally at the Padres, he wasn't going to play with first base and left field locked, and Austin Hedges behind the plate. So by having him, they could manipulate it away that he could start some games at DH, start some games in left field, or play some first base. When, or, as I said, just back up Mike Zanino, and that helps him out. And there's still this flexibility. G-Man Choi, I don't get it. Like, he was a quad-A player bouncing around from team to team until the race picked him up. He may be a good clubhouse guy, good defender. He's their starting first baseman. But then you got Mike Brissaro, who was a natural-born first baseman, who I've seen play second, third, short, and left field. Yandy Diaz, who's a third baseman, but is not the world's greatest defender. He's playing. For, he could play first base. And Yoshi Tsugo, the foreign import they got last year, who played both right field, left field, third base, and first base. So they got, they're covered at first base. Then you got Brandon Lau, who was one of the rookies of the year runner-up. He's a second baseman, but they like to play him all over the place. Then they got Joey Wendell, who they like to play all over the place as well. And they still got themselves Brett Phillips as an extra outfielder as well. So really what's going to fall on is all this position players they have have to make up for the fact that they've lost some key relievers and starting pitcher. Two of their key pitchers like Nick Anderson and Yain Chirinos are out for the year with Tommy John, and they're not going to have them to help them out. That's the sort of thing that's going to hurt the Rays. But in general, on paper, if Walker, Chris Archer, Rich Hill, Colin McHugh, and Tyler Glasnow are the ones that are actually healthy, I, I, you know, the I'm not going to say that there's, you know, not a possibility that they don't make it back to the World Series, but it's going to be very hard for them, even if they win this division this year, if they're going to actually go that far when it comes to the, to the, to the World Series and whatnot, because the playoffs winning division is one thing. Another thing is going to be, do I have enough? pitching in in this day and age for anybody to win and that's really the problem that they have is that they lost so much pitching depth in the offseason it's not a guaranteed now the Yankees though they're not one to go oh my god they got so much pitching they're pitching rich the Yankees are in this similar position that they are is that they have one ace and that's Garrett Cole and he's good but he can't pitch every single day of the week he can't Jay Happ left them in free agency so they're, they're down another one. And Tanaka, instead of resigning with the Yankees or signing with about a half a dozen or more teams, maybe half the league plus, he decided to go back to Japan. So they're this year saying, you know what? We're going to trade for Corey Kluber. We're going to, I mean, excuse me, sign Corey Kluber and trade for Jameson Tyon. Corey Kluber pitched like one game for the Rangers, got hurt, and it did not work out. The Indians held on to him too long and never got to trade him. They're hoping that the Klubot is actually healthy enough this year and can pitch for them. Jameson Tyone has missed two full seasons due to injury and one full season due to being a cancer survivor. You know, claps for that. You know, he survived it. He, he 
would probably would have been traded a while ago if he didn't have the recent injury he just had. And then they got youngster Jordan Montgomery, Diego Herman, and then they got this Gar- Desi Garcia guy. They got Jonathan Loiza. They got all these pitchers who can start for them, but of course, not all of them are going to make it. Now, the Yankees are hoping that Luis Severino comes back, and if Severino comes back in the second half, he can bump out one of the young guys. He can bump out Kluver or Tywin if they're struggling, not healthy. But again, every single pitcher the Yankees are relying on in Kluber and Tyone and Severino, health problems. And then young guys. So that's really where it's going to help them. So you think, okay, we got this bullpen. They got all still closer, Rose Chapman. They still got all-star closer, Zach Britton, setting up. Chad Green's been a great setup man for them. Former Orioles reliever Darren O'Day's bounced around. They brought him in. They brought lefty Justin Wilson. That's very, very good. But Zach Britton's going to miss a month or two of the season, so it's going to put more pressure on the likes of Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson. And Darren O'Day's case, he hasn't been most healthy. Losida and Sessa are young starting pitchers that they have in their bullpen, and the Yankees did sign a bunch of guys to minor league deals that are like relief pitchers that could help them out, like Lucas Lettage and like Nick Goody and Luis Garcia. But unless they actually decide to add those guys to the 40-man roster and Kyle Bearclaw, and they brought back Adam Warren, they decided they're going to load up on that just to be safe. Now, position player-wise, they, they're going to be the Bronx Bombers. That's the only way the Yankees are a playoff team and go far is if Stanton's healthy as the DH. If Jay, if Jay Bruce, who they brought in, contributes where he's actually healthy, which he hasn't been with the Phillies, playing both corner spots when needed and out first base with Luke Voigt starting the year in the DL and some games at DH, that's pretty good. Now, Luke Voigt the year the DL doesn't help the guy who led the American League home runs last year, but he, when he's back healthy with Judge and Stanton and Glaber Torres and Sanchez, who had, you know, offseason last year, you combine all of that with... The offensive revolution that Giovanni Urshel has found out, anything you get from Miguel and Duar when he plays, and anything you get offensively from Aaron Hicks. So Aaron Hicks, though, also hasn't been healthy, as I said about Stanton and Judge. They brought back Brett Gardner to be a backup outfielder, which is a good thing, because they're giving the full-time left field job to Clint Frazier. But again, Clint Frazier, never been most healthy. They still got players like Mike Ford and Mike Talkman, just in case. But again, the Yankees' success is going to be on Bronx, Bomber, Slugging. But pretty much every guy in the roster that they're uh, worrying about is have health issues. And Duhar, Voigt, even Urshela had offseason surgery like that guy. Like, that's the thing. It's all about the health. And then at the same time, Sanchez and Gleyber Torres, two of their most important position players, they had off-seasons last year. Now, that's the reason why Dijon LeMayu, he didn't win the MVP last year, but when he wasn't even, like, you know, any consideration for MVP the previous year, that dude plays third base and first base when he's a gold glove second baseman. He bats leadoff when he won his first batting title with the Rockies, batting second. He won another one. He's the most important player on that team, and they they overpaid for him for a while, but he's at least his usefulness is he can play at multiple positions that when his contract gets too much, that's a good thing. The Yankees did sign, like, Derek Dietrich, and they signed, you know, Robinson Chirinos to be another catcher because... You know, no offense to Kyle Higashoa, they liked having Eric Kratz last year as a backup catcher. They want, like, a veteran guy for this staff. So, again, the Yankees are only making it due to their slugging players, but the problem is health. They're relying on pitchers who have an issue in health, and they do have a good bullpen. But, overall, the Yankees are still, like, a playoff team, but 
it's no guarantee that they're the actual wildcard team or division winner because of all the offense they need to rely on from guys who aren't the most healthy and position players who are also not the most healthy. So that's what it's going to come down to is those two teams whose pitching questions will not matter when it comes to it. So as I said about the Royals being a surprising team, maybe in the American League Central. In the American League, I feel like the surprise could be the Blue Jays. What surprise? They made the playoffs. So yeah, they made the playoffs playing in Buffalo. And this year they're going to play in their minor league spot, Dunedin, because that's where they have these minor league affiliates. And they say, hey, we're already here in spring training. Question will be their minor league team that plays in Dunedin. What are they going to do until the time being? But either way, they're the team where, yeah, they made the playoffs last year, but it's really be they're going to be a team that could surprise you because they have position players like the Royals. They got Bo Bichette at shortstop. They had Kevin Biggio at second baseman play everything. Shortstop, third base, first base, even played center field besides from playing the outfield. That Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, he played first base last year, but going into this offseason, he lost weight, and he was very determined to play third base. They got Roddy Telez, the first baseman slugger, so they don't got Travis Shaw anymore. Just well, they got none of these first basemen that are in their way. And they got Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who's still playing left field, which I thought when Guerrero was going to move over the first base, put Gurriel back in the infield and have him play second base because look what happened anyway. Bijou moves to third base this season. And Teoscar Hernandez, who has the most ability to play center field and is a natural born center field, had a pretty good year last year playing all over the outfield. Teoscar Hernandez, he's back. And Randall Grisha can easily hit 20 home runs in his sleep. I was like, eh, it's not a bad team. They go out and sign Marcus Simeon, glove challenge shortstop, and he's going to play second base. And you know what that does? I said it moves Bijou to third base. Guerrero's not going to have a chance to play third base. He's going to play first base. Roddy Telez going to DH, which bumps out Randall Grichik. And they go inside George Springer, who I'm a huge fan of George Springer. He His leading off home run thing is a mirage because he's not a leadoff hitter. When Dexter Fowler left the Astros to join the Cubs, they had a no center fielder. Springer, an injury-prone right fielder, said, I'll try it. Then they're like, who's got a bad leadoff? The Astros never really had one, so it was him. But his numbers of 20-plus home runs and like 60, 70, 80 RBIs in the leadoff spot is great when he's batting the middle of the lineup because imagine when there's runners on. You can get 100-plus RBIs, you know, get a better chance to see better pitches and be a home run hitter there. But he's playing center field. They signed him to a long-term deal. He's not the most healthy. There's questions if he's going to even be ready for the start of the season, which I knew was going to happen. So his thing playing center field at least doesn't mean Randall Grichuk plays center field if he ever comes in, but it should have been Teoscar Hernandez playing center field because that's his position. But their, their position players of Grichuk, Guriel, Hernandez, Springer, Tales, Marcus Simeon, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Cam Biggio, and Boba That's There's not many people that can beat that. And Joe Panic and Brevik, Valeria, or Santiago Espinal, whoever is the backup infielders, that's good. Jonathan Davis like the Ramon, the, the only outfielder that they've had that's a natural-born center fielder. They never really tried Derek Fisher of the Astros. They never tried Bill McKinney, who went from Cubs, Yankees, A's. They never tried him. They never gave really Anthony Alford their own guy an opportunity or Dalton Pompey their own guy. All those guys are gone, and Jonathan Davis is the last guy remaining. He's going to be the true fourth outfielder. Now, when it comes to catching with the 26-man roster, it's very easy they can go with three catchers because they've never been sold who's better, Reese McGuire or Danny Jansen. They're like the same age, a month apart. And this Alejandro Kirk guy they called up who was at a hitting sensation last year. If your catcher's at the bottom of the lineup, that's one thing. Now, I've seen them experiment with Bobachet batting third, Springer batting leadoff, and Simeon bat second. But the whole point of getting Springer and Simeon is you get clear offensive players. With Simeon, you get 20-plus home runs. And Springer get 30-plus home runs. 
don't mess with the formula you had of the Biggio Bichette, one batting leadoff and one batting second. That's where I'm just like, eh. Now, the pitching, they don't have the Garrett Coles, and they don't have the Tyler Glass now. But when they have a rotation that is Ryu, Hengen Ryu pitched really well last year, Robbie Ray, who they re-signed, Steven Matz, who they traded, Tanner Rourke, who they kept, and they have Ross Stripling as well. That's not bad as a one through five. Now, they have Tyler Chatwood, who they signed also, and they signed Tommy Lone, a minor league deal. So they're like, hey, we're trying. We're trying to get as many starting pitchers as we possibly can. Now, they have, you know, this Nate Pearson guy that's a young guy that they want to try. They got a few other young guys that they can actually try out there, you know, that they want it. And like Thomas Hash, Trent Thornton, Anthony Kane, TJ Zock, and that's a good thing. They got all this pitching depth in the rotation that it's hard for them to make a five-man rotation. The bullpen, though, Jordan Romano doesn't really do much for me, nor does Ryan Bukorki, Buroki, and if Tyler Chatwood specifically being a reliever doesn't really sound that much to me, Merriweather, Bergen, not the best. But then bringing, back, bringing in David Phelps, who was on the team before, who's been a successful reliever as their closer, and Rafael Delis has some success last year, that's good. But that was all building up to Kirby H being their closer. And like the Rays, who have lost Nick Anderson for the year, their division rival, Kirby H of the Blue Jays, after successfully becoming that Padres reliever, that Kirby Yates, as a National League pitcher with the Padres, turned himself into one of the best relievers in baseball over the past three to four years. And this was his chance to be like, you know what? A little off year in that shortened season, you know, some injuries, I can go and be a closer of a playoff team. Nope, he's got to get Tommy John surgery and he's out for the year. When I feel bad for him because he turned himself into a really good reliever and he found a good situation for the Blue Jays, who had themselves Ken Giles, but he had injury. He's going to be out for the year, and he went somewhere else. So it looked like that. So at least the playing field is even. The Rays don't have their closer, and the Yankees' rotation depth is not as good as the Blue Jays, who I just said are not even sure how they're going to line up this rotation with Pearson, Ray, Matt, Tanner Rourke, Ross Stripling, and the four young guys. Like, And they signed Chatwood and Ty Malone. So at least you can say that the Blue Jays actually decided, you know, we came to play. Like, we're not accepting that we made it last year the playoff as a fluke. We went and signed Springer and Marcus Simeon, and we're moving everybody over and naming Randall Grichuk a bench player. Like, that is pretty darn good. And they also have A.J. Cole, who they, they brought back in a minor deal. He's pitched well enough for them in the bullpen, Tim Mazzaia. So that's where you're like, okay, good. That's that's them actually trying. And as I said, Richard Rain is back with them. They brought signed Tyler White to a minor league deal. Like they're they're going all in. They get the guys to the major league roster and the minor league roster for the course of a 162 game season. So they could be more of a surprise than anybody else in baseball. Now I said the Red Sox finished last place last year. Well, the main reason the Red Sox never finished last place is they weren't sure with Ron Renicki being the interim manager what was going on there. So, you know, was he playing for his job or whatnot? And Al Score being out for the year. They're like, what are they going to do? So Al Score's back. Al Score's proven, no matter if it's coaching or managing or front office work with you know his native country and stuff like that, that he knows what he's talking about and the clubhouse really gets behind him. So that's one thing that will make sure they're not a last place team. Number two is they re-signed Martin Perez. They went and signed Garrett Richards, a former Angels Padres pitcher. And they have Nick Pavetta, who they got last year at the at the deadline when they traded away both their relievers, Workman and Heath Henry. And he's young. He's like 27. He hasn't really the Phillies. The Phillies like gave up on him and Jared Eikhoff, and they're giving up on another pitcher. So they're not really trying. But on a team like the Red Sox, who are not going to be a playoff team, there's not that much 
you know, pressure the Phillies have been trying to play off team with the moves they made. Him at the back with Perez, not bad. Gary Richards hasn't been the pitcher he was on the Angels because he hasn't been the most healthiest, but that's good. The other thing is Evaldi's battled some injuries, and Eduardo Rodriguez last year due to COVID had heart problems. He's back. If that's your five pitchers, that's not a last place rotation, okay? That one through five is, in my opinion, better than what the Yankees or even the Rays have because of the success Rodriguez, Evaldi, Garrett Richards, and Perez have had as playoff pitchers or, you know, all-star pitchers. And then Chris Sale is coming back in the second half. So if Chris Sale comes back in the second half, that definitely improves the rotation there. The issue with the bullpen is, as I said, they traded Brandon Workman and Adam and uh, and Heath Hembert at the deadline last year, so it made it work. Because as bad as Ken Krimble has kind of bid with the Cubs, the Red Sox have done nothing. It's not like they signed some guy to minor league deal who used to be a closer or they got somebody. And Matt Barnes, I'm a huge fan of him as a pitcher. But he's best suited as an eighth inning guy. And all they did was get Adam Adovino, who the Yankees said, yeah, we don't want him. So you got to question that. So Adovino is a good relief pitcher, but man, then they signed Matt Andreev, who is a starting pitcher by trade and has been a swing guy on every team. Braves, Diamondbacks, whatever. He'll be helpful because he'll pit, eat some innings. So right there in general, Adam Adovino and Matt Andres make the bullpen better. And Pavetta, Richards, and, per, and Perez, Rodriguez, Valdi, that's a good rotation. It's the position players that are always going to hold the Red Sox. Now, Martinez and Bogarts, they say, kind of had down years. But Devers had an amazing year. Just imagine a lineup where Alex Cora is not going to play around and be silly. He's going to say, Rafael Devers. You may have to bat fifth because Martinez, the DH, who's been the veteran, and Bogart's been the cleanup hitter, are ahead of you, and you're there. They signed Hunter Renfro, who I don't get how the Padres dumped him on the Rays, and the Rays just said, we don't want this guy. Like, I don't get it. Like, Hunter Renfro is pretty young. He's 28 years old. Okay? That is, he, he turned 29 this year, but 28-year-old who turned 29 for this season it can hit 20-plus, 30 home runs in his sleep, is going to be your number six hitter and play right field maybe or left field. It would probably best do to play left field. But imagine that lineup before we get to anybody else. That's darn good. Then Alex Verdugo played really well last year playing all three outfield spots. They're giving him the center field job, Renfro the right field job, and they're giving uh, Frenchie Cordero the left field job. Now, Frenchie Cordero, another former Padre, gets to play with his buddy and former teammate Hunter Renfro, was the Padres' everyday center fielder but could never stay healthy. He also batted leadoff. They're not even going to try him lead off, nor they're going to play him in center field. But him in center field, Verdugo and Wright and Renfro would probably be a good defensive outfield. The Red Sox are at least acknowledging that between Verdugo and Kiki Hernandez, who they brought in to play second base, and he'll also play some outfield, you know, to give to some rotate some people around as the one-two hitters, that's good. They'll fix the fact that last year they didn't really have a leadoff hitter and they didn't really have a number two hitter because Devers wasn't. And by getting... Cordero and Renfro and Kiki Hernandez, who's a super utility player, and Martin Gonzalez, they can make up for the fact that last year they took Jose Peraza, their infielder Lynn, their infielder Michael Chavis, play them in the outfield. And they're not outfielders because they ran out of outfielders with Bradley being hurt, Brandon Tenney being hurt, and obviously no Mookie Betts last year, and this year no Jackie Bradley Jr. They fixed the outfield. They also signed Danny Santana to a minor league deal, so if he gets called upon, he can play everywhere. But the backups, you know, of Christian Arroyo and Bobby Chavis, this, I mean, not Bobby Chavis, Michael Chavis, not bad. Now, this year, they're going to get a full season because they used him just slightly last year. of One of their best prospects, a third baseman, and Bobby Delvac. Like Chavis and others before, if something's blocked in that position, they got to play somewhere else. So Bobby Delvac getting a full season to be their first baseman. So him in the lineup, and he's batting like sixth or seventh. I mean, he's going to bat seventh or sixth, depending on how to do Renfro and Devers. 
And then you go with Christian Vasquez behind the plate and Frenchy Cordero. If he's not at the top, he's at the bottom. Their lineup gets a lot better. They have outfield depth. They became more versatile with the likes of Kiki Hernandez, Danny Santana, Marlon Gonzalez. So that's what's going to help them there is that they got two good pitchers for their bullpen. The rotation one through five is solid. And then when Chris Hill comes back, to get better. Bobby Delbeck, Kiki Hernandez, Marlon Gonzalez, Hunter Renfro, Frenchy Cordero to what they already have in the core three of Martinez and Bogart's endeavors and Alice Cordugo. This is not a last place team. They're definitely not a playoff team because they're bullpen. No offense to Barnes, Adovino, and Andres. And the rotation is not the world famous, the world's best, but it's definitely an improvement over last year. And then you got yourself the Baltimore Orioles, who, again, it doesn't look like they're trying. Now, at least you can give them credit that last year they did not make the playoffs. Okay, then. They, they you know, I mean, I'm not finishing last place. Okay, that's good and dandy that they didn't finish in last place. That's something you want to hang your hat on, that you're a last place team. No, Brandon Hyde should be looking into, like, ways to make this team better. But, of course, they're not doing that. And the Angels are another team where they, like, they sign guys and it doesn't help them. The Orioles sign guys where it could help them. But at least with the Tigers in this situation, the Tigers sign guys that, that are veteran. They have names and they have some value to. And they're, they're saying, hey, we're actually trying. But when you look at the Oriole signing Yomar Sanchez, former Sox infielder who can hit a lick as your second baseman, signing Mikael Franco, who had a horrible year last year with the Royals at third base, and you bring in Freddie Galvez, who the Reds decided that he wasn't good enough to be their shortstop, and they're going to go with a catcher, which is another story. That's what the three-fourths of the infield is, moving Rio Ruiz to DH, because the dude is not a third baseman. He strikes out way too much, so he's specifically perfect for that specific situation. And they're then going with Ryan Moncastle, one of their top prospects. And you would think, okay, he's far from his days of being a middle infielder with the team. But third base? Instead of signing Mikhail Franco, Ryan Moncastle. Try him at third base in the major leagues. See if it's passable enough in the major leagues or give him that DH spot. Because obviously Chris Davis, they're paying a lot of money to He's going to have to be on the roster when he's healthy at some point. He's going to get some at-bats at DH. Now, last year, the only positive thing is they didn't play Trey Mancini in the outfield because Trey Mancini battled cancer last year, and everybody's happy to come back. He's obviously the, the, the front runner for comeback player of the year. He's their best player. He should be playing first base or DH. He should be batting third or fourth. However you want to line up the Mountcastle ruiz franco lineup for power. Okay, and if and the thing is, Anthony Santander, the second best player, he had a great year. Then he got hurt towards the end. But if he's your everyday right fielder and you're batting him like third or fifth in the lineup, that's not bad. But with all the moves, DJ Stewart, who could be their DH, is a backup because of Mountcastle playing the outfield, and they signed Franco. Now their their center field is a question though, because we know Cedric Mullins can't hit, Austin Hayes can't really hit, but at least they can field their positions. They're going with an infield backups of Ramon Urias and Pat Vileka instead of Richie Martin or Jemai Jones. That's fine. Again, they're wasting time with Pedro Severino instead of giving Chancisco all the opportunity because their number one prospect is a catcher, and he's going to take Chancisco's job. Austin wins. is no longer on the team. So again, if you have Trey Mancini, Anthony Santer there, Ryan Mountcastle, Mikel Franco, Rio Ruiz... That is not a bad lineup. It's just, again, this team has all these issues with pitching. That They got John Means, who was a runner-up in Rookie of the Year, like a top-three finish. 
he's not an ace. He's just the best thing they've had in a while. Dean Kramer, he's one of the best players they've had in a while. Fellow Jew, Israeli citizen like that. But then they're going with the likes of Bruce Zimmerman and Jorge Lopez. Has anybody ever heard of those guys? No. In the offseason, they signed Matt Harvey, Felix Hernandez, and they brought back Wade LeBlanc. They released Wade LeBlanc. He resigned. But he's more useful as a swing guy, and Felix Hernandez decided to opt out. I didn't think that he was not going to make the roster because it looked like they really wanted Felix Hernandez to make it. But they're lying on Matt Harvey, who who has no, hasn't had success in years. At least with Felix Hernandez, he opted out of last season. Their bullpen, on the other hand, really not special. Tanner Scott, Cesar Valdez, Paul Fry, Dylan Tate, Cole Sosa, Ty Wells, Mark Schroeder, and Adam Plutko, not really that successful. So the Orioles are back to be going to a last place team because as good as the Mancini, Sanitarium, Mountcastle, Mikel Franco, and Rio Ruiz, you know, uh, team, the pitching at Kramer and Means, as good as it is, nobody's at Matt Harvey and Wade LeBlanc do not really like sold me on their, what they're doing and no real bullpen that there's just the answer that they're going to be a minor league team because without Hunter Harvey, who's always unhealthy in the bullpen, it really does not give you the type of outfield you need. I mean, the bullpen and... Their outfielders are center fielders can't hit, and their left fielder is not really a left fielder, and that's just Anthony Santander. So that's the issue with their team. Now, the AL West, the A's won it last year. I don't know if it's a guarantee the A's win it again, because them and the Astros are pretty much close in everything. Because good position player, the Astros have some better names at the beginning of the rotation, but the A's may be solid one through five. The A's bullpen lost some guys. The Astros guy lost some bullpen guys. So they're kind of neck and neck. Now for the Astros, Josh Reddick became a free agent and nobody's signed him as of now. Michael Brantley became a free agent and almost signed with the Blue Jays, but he's back. So you got Michael Brantley, who just, he's just a professional hitter. He's going to be playing left field every day. And Kyle Tucker is officially going to get a chance to play every day because last year he only played because Jordan Alvarez was out. Michael Brantley was DHing. And especially with George Springer and Josh Reddick on, it's going to be very important on Kyle Tucker to show that offensive potential as the corner outfielder, not instead of field because that's not what he is in that middle of the lineup. The question is, who's going to play center field? Miles Straw is, is is the only guy left because this team had the likes of Derek Fisher and T. Oscar Hernandez to name some, and they're gone. They had Jose Sierra in a minor league deal, but their Chas McCormick is going to make it as the fourth outfielder. And because of the flexibility of Robel Garcia, who's bounced from waivers to waivers, former Cub, he would be considered a backup outfielder. Jordan Alvarez also considered a backup outfielder. But Jordan Alvarez, most of last year, due to an injury, and it just needs to avoid what happens with Loya Menace. Don't play a guy somewhere you know there's going to be a problem. But if Jordan Alvarez is healthy with Brantley, Kyle Tucker, and Yuli Gurriel, Carlos Correa, and Alex Bregman, that's an amazing lineup. Altuve struggled last year a bit, and they're going to try him the leadoff spot. Eh, give give Miles Straw both the center field job and the leadoff job and see what happens there. Bet Altuve second, and then in your lineup you go Brantley third, Bregman cleanup, Correa fifth, Gurriel sixth, Jordan Alvarez seventh, Kyle Tucker eighth. Like anything like that is an impressive lineup. Now, Lesme Diaz is a very useful player because he'll play all over the place as well. And I was surprised. I thought, okay, Abraham Toro is going to make the roster because they got 26 guys. And that's why I'm just like, two backup outfielders, two backup infielders, and a catcher, but I don't know. They bring back Jason Castro, and he's a solid veteran who bat him ninth, good offense for a number nine hitter and a catcher, and a good catcher. And Martin Maldonado moves into a backup role because that's really what he is. So they're one through nine. And even bench players is really good. As I said, the question is going to come down to the fact that Justin Verlander is out for the season due to Tommy John surgery. 
their former quarter, Roberto Zuna, got hurt, and he's not signed because people don't know why he didn't get Tommy John surgery, what he's going to be. So they went out and signed Jake Odorizzi, and he's going to fit with Lance McCullers and Zach Greinke, the top rotation. The three of them are solid one through three. But the real question comes in is, what does this Luis Garcia guy give you? What does Christian Javier give you? What would Jose Urquidy and Framer Valdez? Like, it's all question marks on that rotation. The bullpen, Ryan Presley is the last man lefting from that, like, good playoff team. So he's naturally become the closer. Ryan Stanek, they got in the offseason. He has been a successful reliever where he's been. And Pedro Baez, coming off the World Series of the Dodgers, who's, who's an injury concern, is obviously hurt. But he's been good. They did sign, like, Steve Chiswick and some other guys to minor league deals, but they didn't make the team. They brought back Joe Smith. So overall, like, they did some things to improve their bullpen. But a lot of their bullpen is, like, nobody's. And Presley's not really a closer. So that's really going to come down to bite them there. Is their question marks on the three to four young guys that could potentially be in the rotation that, that are not the three veterans. The bullpen is kind of question mark. They're, they're not sure if Miles Straw is the answer in center field. And... Nor they don't know if McCormick is, and Robel Garcia, Abraham Toro, and the likes of Lesmond Diaz is not going to solve the center field job. But their lineup, everything is pretty much like that's the thing that's going to sell them on the the on being one of the leading candidates for the for the um, thing. So that's the problem is that the Astros lineup is again is going to is going to get them to be a playoff team in the top of the rotation. It's a question of can they be good enough to beat the A's who have a little bit more solid, more pitching depth on their team as well. Because as I said, Joe Smith is one of the minor league signings in Jose Siri. That That's the problem, you know. That's, that's, that's the problem for them. And the A's, though, the A's, though, they decided they're going to make some adjustments to their team and that's that's the problem is the A's did a bunch of shifting around and not a lot of it is really that great because they said goodbye to Chris Davis okay Chris Davis is no longer their DH they lost Marcus Simeon in free agency and they gave up a young player to get Tommy Lestella who they also lost in free agency they at least get back Matt Chapman in their on their team, the bat in the middle lineup and play goal glove defense to help Matt Olson out. Now, what they decided was second base is going to be utility man Chad Pinder, utility player Tony Kemp, and Jed Lowry hasn't played in two full seasons with the Mets after he signed that multi-year deal with them. And he, again, is never going to really be a shortstop. Again, he's played a lot of positions. That's their three-headed monster of who potentially plays second base. Two utility players and a guy hasn't played in two years to replace what they had there. Not that great. And I said a shortstop, Marcus Simeon, he's not a great defensive player, but he was a really talented offensive player. They replaced him with Elvis Andrews, who they got. And Elvis Andrews, last time he was a good offensive player was probably more than three seasons ago. And the last time he was a good defensive player was more than two seasons ago, but that's who they have. Okay? And in the outfield, they still got Piscotti, who really hasn't been the same player that we thought he was when he left St. Louis, and gold glove caliber center fielder Lamont Laureano in center field who we all know is not a leadoff hitter, is not the best hitter. And that's two-thirds of a good outfield. Now, even though they got Sky Bolt and Seth Brown, they decided that and they got, they're going to go with this Kai, Kai Tome as the backup fourth outfielder. Because Pinder and Tony Kemp can play the outfield, they're like, we don't need two outfielders. 
but it's like the way it was with Dustin Fowler and the second Boo Powell. The A's have center fielders who can actually feel the positions, but they go, eh, we're not going to use them on the roster. And Mark Cannon, for some years, played center field. He's a first baseman who is only playing left field because he got Matt Olson and there wasn't room at DH over the years. But you would think, maybe let's have him become the DH with Chris Davis gone and actually get a left fielder who can play left field. Nope, they go out and sign Mitch Moreland, a former Ranger, going to join the A's, a rival of his. Now, you'd think Mitch Moreland, the years he was in Texas and the years he was in Boston, he was a great defensive player. And he wasn't a 30 home run guy, maybe 20, and he hit for a high average. The problem with him is, I don't think of Mitch Moreland, I think of DH. I think of starting first baseman, the bat at the bottom of the lineup, maybe hit 20 home runs, play good defense. So he's not really a slugger DH. So I don't really see where the offense that you lose in Simeon and Chris Davis really come from. And then Sean Murphy had a okay, it's been an okay catcher to start his major league career, but he's not the most amazing offensive player. And they get former catcher of the Giants who they didn't really try, Ramos Garcia. So then it's like, okay, if him and Loriano are the offensive liabilities, it's not good if Elvis Andrus is. And Elvis Andrus, the only thing is that he's been a leadoff hitter before. So I would try him before anybody else. Now, the Sox got Hendricks. They stole Hendricks from them. And Joaquin Soria left them. They re-signed Jasper Petit. That's good. And they still have Trevino went and Wendell, Wendell Kinn. And they still got Jake Diekman. But they went on and signed Sergio Romo and Trevor Rosenthal. Okay. Trevor Rosenthal wasn't healthy for years. And all of a sudden comes back for the Royals. And the Padres pitches really well. Okay. And Sergio Romo was bouncing around from team to team. And they got Diekman and the Petit. But overall, this bullpen losing Hendricks and Soria is not the same bullpen it was. So that's where it's like questioning where, you know, you replace some people around in Rosenthal, Sergio Romo, but it's not the same. Now, one through six, they, their rotation is at least better than the Astros who are unsure about the four young guys in the rotation is that Mike Fires, the veteran, you can plug him in the back rotation. He's solid. Sean Manai has been the leader of this rotation. He's not an ace, but he could plug him in. He's good. Montanez, if it weren't for injuries or suspension, he's a pretty good pitcher. And then Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck, they're good young prospects, young arms that they're going to try. But the problem is all these guys that battle Tommy John surgery has some sort of injury in their career, and Chris Bassett is still, like, alive as a reliever, as a starting pitcher who should be a reliever. Like, overall, their one through six is better than four question marks. Like, it's a question mark if Lazardo and Puck are good, but the Astros are not sure between four guys. So that's really back and forth. Is Their bullpens and rotation are not the same, but it's the position players. But it's an Astros don't know who's in center field. The A's are not sure about second base, so that's really where it can go neck and neck is I think that these two teams are going to probably be the ones that are going to be the division winners, and they're also probably going to be the one of the ones maybe getting a wild card spot over, let's say, the Yankees or like the Twins, and that's where the problem with this team is because nothing really comes from a minor league deal that they signed that go, oh my God, it's so great for the A's, but... Jed Lowry was that minor league deal, and he actually makes the team, which is where I'm a little bit surprised in what they're doing here, but that's just really what it is. And then you got the Angels, who, as I said, every year they sign guys, and they don't really need all these guys. Mike Trout needs pitching help. Mike Trout needs, you know, pitching, pitching, pitching. Last year was Anthony Rendon. Before them, you had Otani, and you had Pujols and Josh Hamilton. Now, Joe Adele last year was supposed to be the, like, the rookie of the year front runner, not Luis Robert, not Kyle Lewis, not nobody else. He went out and had a horrible year. So they decided, we're not even trying. So the Angels 
traded for Dexter Fowler, who the Cardinals weren't going to use anyway, and he reunites with Joe Maddon and he won a World Series. Okay? They signed the likes of John Jay, Juan Lagares, Scott Shebler, all the minor league deals. Like, these are all the outfielders that they signed themselves to minor league deals. Obviously, not all three of them are making the roster or even staying with the team, but that's what they did. They went out and signed all of these, you know, veteran outfielders to, to minor league deals or traded for them. Okay? They went out and signed the likes of Phil Gostin to a minor league deal. They went out and signed like Jesse Chavez to a minor league deal, but then they go out and cut Jesse Chavez and go, yeah, we don't need relief help. Well, your rotation is, your, your pitching staff is not that good as a whole. Phil Gostin will probably be a useful piece because they think that Jared Walsh, Matt Tice, and Taylor Ward, who I saw playing some catcher in spring training, are answers in the outfield. Because last year when Trout missed some games and Upton missed some games and they got rid of both their backup outfielders, they are playing Joe Adele in center and playing Tice and Walsh and Ward in the corner outfield spots, and that was pretty stupid. That's why they went all out and signed these veteran outfielders to minor league deals. Justin Upton missed some time last year, but if Justin Upton's healthy, Mike Trout is healthy, in a lineup that has whatever pools gives you, and if Otani's healthy as your DH, and you still have Anthony Rendon, you know, it's not a bad lineup. And then with Alexa David Fletcher, who's a super utility guy, Fleck and Barreto, and Luis Renjifo, they were like, who's going to play second base? These are second basemen who can play pretty much all over the place and bat the top of the lineup, so they're set there. They even picked up Jack Mayfield from the Astros through a bunch of waiver wires, and that guy is talented. But Matt Theis didn't make the team because there's just too many guys on this team position player wise so offensively they can slug with the best of them and max stassi gets to be a backup he got the starting more because they went inside a solid veteran Kurt suzuki away from the national suzuki is what you need he can catch at the bat the bottom of the lineup and whatever offense you get from him that's important the pitching is, is the issue is because their best pitcher is andrew heaney andrew heaney not an ace dylan bunny who they traded for the previous season pitched pretty well for them but he not a top rotation guy. Then they trade for his former teammate, Alex Cobb, from the Orioles. The Orioles were like, we don't want to be good. We don't want to pay for guys. But Alex Cobb hasn't been good since he came back from the injury with the Rays and had that delayed offseason when he really wanted to give him a draft pick. Those are some of the guys in their rotation. Cobb, Dylan Bundy, Andrew Hino, and Otani, who has been the most healthiest pitcher, and, when, and now they're expecting him, they're going to go with a six-man rotation, which means one less reliever or one less position player, which is silly. And they're going with Griffin Canning, who I don't think is really a guy who would be in most teams' rotation. And then the best pitcher they signed in the offseason or in terms of acquiring is Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana, with the White Sox and the Cubs when healthy, is easily a 200-inning-pitch pitcher and a left-handed pitcher that you can, bat in the, you can put in the middle of the rotation. So that's a good quality thing. But overall, if you squint at every pitcher except maybe Otani and Heaney, they're all back-end guys. Then they acquired uh, Rachel Iglesias. Rachel Iglesias, you're like, um, okay. Why did the Reds give a young, controllable closer who isn't you know, you know, be a free agent? He's pretty good. Now the Angels have the first they have their closer for the first time in years. They got Alex Claudio. He's been a good left-handed pitcher. Junior Guerra's been a great swing pitcher, but not a guy you want to rely on as a starter. And at the end of spring training, they got Steve Chisick of the Astros cut, who wasn't really good that last year. And Tony Watson, who wasn't bad. It's just the Phillies decided they had to make a decision on who they're gonna to add to the four-man roster. So their bullpen got better with Chiswick Watson. They got Aaron Sledgers and Junior Guerra in the offseason, Claudio and Rachel Iglesias. So overall, this team made some moves. They also acquired James Hoy off waivers, so their bullpen got, got some improvements. And with Cobb and Quintana adding to a rotation that already had two, you know, okay pitchers in, in uh, Heaney 
and Bundy and then Otani. Like, that's where the Angels would be. That team that I think could finish in third place is not a guarantee that they do. But the Mariners, like the Angels, are also uh, not as good as the Angels. But again, they finished there last year. And... That that's the issue with the the Mariners. They're young. They're upcoming. They're you know they're not sure how everything is actually going to go for them. But the Mariners, they get the best news is that Mitch Haniger, their everyday right fielder who made an All Star appearances, should be in the middle lineup. But they're of course going to bat him lead off because they know what they're doing. Not going to play him in center field because they have too many outfits. He's back. He gets to anchor that lineup with Kyle Steger, with Ty France, Jose Marmolos, and Evan White, they got some boppers in the middle of the lineup as well. Kyle Lewis is about in the middle of the lineup. That's good. Now, between Lewis Torrance and Tom Murphy, it's a it's a wash at catcher. With Dylan Moore, utility player, Shed Long, who had an injury-prone season last year, and they already got rid of D. Gordon and Tim Lope, that it's a wash there at second base because Ty France, if he plays second base, he gives up defensive capability. Sam Haggerty, eh. It's really the fact that Mitch Haniger's back, and you pair him in the outfield with Kyle Lewis, and Jacob Fraley, that's really good. They got Taylor Trammell, who they stole from another team in trades this offseason. He's also going to help them out as well. Brandon Bishop's not starting the year with the team, which I thought was silly. He should be a fourth outfielder. But again, they got so many outfielders, they just don't know what to do with all of them. And again, still a good amount of infielders. They also can say that one through five, that their rotation is probably better than the A's and the Astros, thinking one through five, what are they going to do? Because they said the Astros and A's are a little bit top-heavy. And the Angels got a lot of questions. Now, Mark Gonzalez has pitched well since going to Seattle. So has UC Cucci. They've been a good uh, rotation. And the youngsters, Sheffield and Dunn, have pitched pretty well. And they brought James Paxton back, who left the Yankees. So, again, the Yankees lost Paxton to knock on half. So they got a little bit worse. The Mariners, one through five, that's not bad. And the likes of Nick Margifius and Chris Flexen, also one through seven. The Mariners have some pitching left there. The issue is Rafael Montero. Had a pretty good first year being a reliever with the Rangers. But he's now expected to be the Mariners' closer. Kendall Graven, a starting pitcher, used as a reliever. Kenny Middleton, a former Angels, like, seventh inning guy, he's in the bullpen. The thing that really hurts the Mariners is they brought back Ronald Elias and they signed Ken Giles. Ken Giles knew ahead of time he's going to be out for the year, but nobody knew Elias was going to have Tommy Johnson and he's going to be out for the year. So those two guys would have been good to have with Montero, Graven, and Middleton to form a good five relievers in the bullpen. The bullpen's going to be question marks, and with young guys like Sheffield and Dunn, you're not sure, and Paxton's injury health. But the most important thing is they got a lot of position players. They can build on the Kyle Lewis success with Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger and a lot of the other guys in the lineup. And they're, you know, they're up, they're like the Royals and the Tigers. They got a future, and they're going to be a lot better going forward with this team. And that's a good thing if you're a Mariners fan. Now, if you're the Rangers fan, I don't really know what the Rangers are doing compared to everybody else that is in Major League Baseball because you already traded your long-term, long, everyday shortstop away in Elvis Andrews. It didn't go well for you last year with Kluber's injury trading Mike Miner. So your rotation is Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles. Now, if it's true that Jordan Lyles is going to be made a relief pitcher, that is not good. Your pitching rotation is a huge amount of question marks if Gibson and Jordan Lyles was going to be the top rotation. I thought pitching 
prospect Kobe Allard, the young guy, he was going to be in the rotation. But again, question mark, he's not going to be in it. And Mike Fultonevich, who the Astros haven't wanted to get rid of, not the Astros, the Braves, was a former Astros pitcher. He wasn't good last year. He hasn't been good in two years. You're going to rely on him. And then the Sox, who traded for Lance Lynn, they gave the Rangers Dane Dunning. And he's got question marks. And then they sign an international player, Kohei Arihara, and they can either go Kyle Cody or Taylor Hearn. None of that sounds great. And if it doesn't include Jordan Lyles or Kobe Allard, that makes it like two guys who I think are more talented than these guys. And then Jose LeClaire, who, like Corey Kluber, barely played last year and got hurt and had surgery, and they weren't sure when he was coming back. He has some injury in spring training to what happened with his recovery from last year. And he's going to have Tommy John surgery, so he's out for the year. A reliever that they're relying on in Jonathan Hernandez, he is also going to be hurt to start the year. So like the Jolie Rodriguez and Brett Martin and Josh Bros is their bullpen. And I'm just like, that's not really good because he's got a UCL sprain, Hernandez, and LeClaire's getting Tommy John, and you're having Jordan Lasper as a bullpen. So they already, the pitching staff is nothing to be excited about. Catching-wise... Jonah Heim and Sam Huff, and then Trevino, who was like the third catcher from last year. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And they signed Drew Butera in the front to a minor league deal. Like, those are not moves that I'm like, oh my God, that's helpful. Now, they decided to say, sorry, Ronald Guzman, you're not going to be everyday first baseman. Learn how to play right field or third base. Because they got Nate Lau in a trade with the Rays, and that will help him out because he's got the potential to get away from the Rays, who had so many position players that the Rangers can give him an actual shot. Let's follow this. The Rangers took Nick Solak, who played outfield last year. And Adonis Garcia, who played outfield, but and he's in AAA. They took Nick Solak and Adonis Garcia and said, the two of you are not going to be the center fielder. One's going to not be in the roster, and the other one, you're going to play second base. You're like, what about long-time second baseman? Ryder Dort, who would always hit 20-plus home runs to strike out a lot and be one of, the use, one of the worst players in baseball, but still a 20-plus home run. Well, you're going to move to third base. And Ruben Dort, you're going to be the third baseman, and Nick Solak's going to be second baseman. Isaiah Cotter-Falefa, even though you won a gold glove last year at third base, despite playing every position the last five years of your career plus, including catcher, you're going to be the everyday shortstop because Elvis Andrus is gone. And we're not going to get like an Iglesias or Simmons would have made sense to get somebody or Marcus Simeon to fix the shortstop problem on this team because they actually needed Simeons or Simeon on like the Twins and the Blue Jays, something, or even Freddie Galvis now. You're going to play shortstop at Isaiah Cotter-Falefa and Rudanador is going to play third and Solas is going to play second. Uh, who's going to play center field? Well, we got Leota Tavares and Eli White. I'm like, okay, what about David Dahl? Oh, David Dahl will also play some center field because Chris Davis and Willie Calhoun, who are the offensive players, are going to play left field, and the other one's going to DH. So, again, mess everywhere. And as I said this for the last couple of years, since Adrian Belter retired, Joey Gallo never got a tune to play third base. And whatever, the way that Ronald Guzman has been, and the fact that Ancinchu Chu went back to Korea, the DH spot is open, you would think. Uh, make Joey Gallo their everyday first baseman, third baseman, because they have holes there, or a DH. No, he won a gold glove last year. I love Joey Gallo. I'm a huge fan of his, but center field is a disaster. And right field is an improvement over playing center field, but like, ah. So this whole entire team, despite the gold gloves to Gallo and Xander Kavalefa are a mirage, and they're playing all these guys out of place in different positions, you know, if David Dahl, you want him to play every day, but you also want to play Chris Davis and Willie Calhoun, one's going to have to DH, one's going to have to play left, one's going to play center. And you're playing Solak at second baseman, that second baseman, for left at shortstop. And then, just before camp, they said, oh, sorry, Rudan Dora, we asked you to play third base, but we're actually going to say, screw you, goodbye. And they cut him. And they like the likes of Charlie Colberson, a super utility player, and Brock Holt are going to be playing third base. And you're like, what? 
all of that effort when he could have just kept Kalefa's third base, signed one of the many shortstops on the market to play shortstop, and you would have solved this problem. And, yeah, that's a disaster. The rotation's a disaster if Lyles Gibson, Fulton Evich, Colby Aller, and Dane Dunning was going to be the rotation. But now, two of those guys are not, and the other guys are, ah, they're bullpen with two guys having surgery or being out for a while. That's not good. They're playing all these guys out of position. It's just, the Rangers are a mess. And... And that's the thing. Like, the Rangers are a mess. So with the Rangers being a mess, the Mariners getting going forward towards the future, Angels improving just a bit, none of that's going to matter because at the end of the day, it's going to be those three teams are not going to be at the bottom, and it's going to be the top two teams. Now, as I said, the Twins, the Indians, and the Royals could be a wild card. And I said the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the, and the Yankees could be wild cards. And I said the Angels and maybe the, the A's are with the two of them fighting with the Astros. Now, how it's all going to shake out is I feel like the White Sox, if they win this division, they're not going to have the best record. I feel like the Rays may have the best record because they just may get out to a good start. And if they have the best record, they'll play the winner of the wild card. If that's the Twins and the A's, let's say, uh, no, not the Twins, the A's and the Yankees, let's say the Yankees win the wild card game because Garrett Cole pitching game one, let's say that. Then the Yankees would face the Astros in the playoffs, and the White Sox would w- play the Astros and the question would be the White Sox one through four is it better than the Astros and it doesn't matter if it's they say Odorizzi is not the one through four and it's two of the young guys compared to Dylan Cease and 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 Lance Lynn I'm thinking the White Sox you'll see the White Sox won in the first round it's the White Sox first the Rays because let's say the 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 Yankees would play the Rays in that in that game well I think I'm going to take the Rays over the Yankees any day because Garrett Cole is only can pitch maybe twice in the series. And then I'm going to say Rays versus White Sox. Even though I think the White Sox have a good one through four and a really good bullpen, I feel like the Rays will just beat the White Sox and it'll be the Rays in the World Series. Now, as I said, I did all the American League. I'm going to do the National League and the other one. The American League MVP is going to be a break because if the White Sox will make the playoffs and do really well. Jose Ramirez of his offensive numbers like Mike Trout. DJ LeMayo keeping the Yankees afloat. And Alex Bregman with the Astros. I don't want really to think anybody else could be the MVP there. And the Cy Youngs, Giolito, Bieber, who won it, Jose Barrios, the Twins, Garrett Cole, the Yankees, Tyler Glass on the Rays, Ryu of the Blue Jays. Like, those are feel like those could be the guys. Rookies of the year, depending on how the Sasko with Vaughn and Madrigal, does Casey Myers have rookies capability, you know, innings left with the Tigers? Bobby Delback of the Red Sox, Ryan Mountcastle, maybe the Astros, Miles Straw. I'm not sure. Like, those are potentialities. Manager of the year would be Tony La Russa, Charlie Montaneo, Kevin Cash, Dusty Baker, Bob Melvin, the usuals, Sox GM, Jesse Hahn, and the Blue Jays GM would be one because they made a lot of moves there, and the Ross Atkins guy could do it. And then I'm thinking that the Red Sox GM, Kyan Bloom, based on the improvements the Red Sox made all over the place, could do that. And the relievers of the year, Liam Hendricks, Alex Colome, Rolos Chapman, Trevor Rosenthal, then I would think the comeback player could be Moncada for his thing. I could feel like Donaldson could do it. Justin Upton. You got, you know, Tani himself. You got David Dahl. You got Andrew Benetengo, Rosario, Wilson Ramos, Josh Donaldson. Torres and Sanchez of the Yankees. Kluber and Toyota of the Yankees. J.D. Martinez, Bogarts had off years. Rodriguez with injuries. Mancini or Matt Harvey, the Orioles. You know, and uh, Steven Matz and Guerrero Jr., Odaron Alvarez, Correa, James Paxton, Altuve. There's a lot of guys that can do that. Thanks for listening to the American League Preview for On the Radar podcast. I'm Radar. See you guys next time.